Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Rabbi Shmuley Yanklevitz is an author, educator, motivational speaker, and social justice activist. He is the president and dean of Valley Beit Midrash, president and CEO of Yuri Litzedek, and founder of the Shemaim Ve'eretz Institute. Twice chosen as one of America's top rabbis by Newsweek, he is a guest at Limud this weekend. Rav Shmuley, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. What an honor. I just landed and to come right to you is, is really amazing. Really? So welcome to South Africa. Yeah. Welcome to Joburg. I'm sure you're going to find a very interesting and exciting weekend ahead. And I know you're talking um, not only at Limud, but also afterwards at various uh, places. So you're very sought after. So thank you for coming. Thank you. Rav, let's start well, you're giving a lot of different talks at Limud, um, organ donation, you yourself having donated your kidney, new ideas for the Jewish world and Jewish social justice. But I think I'd like to start off with your work with Syrian refugees in America. Why, how, and what is the situation there? And can I please ask that we don't talk about Trump in the show today? Okay. <laughs> so... Um the United Nations has declared this to be the the greatest humanitarian crisis since World War II, as you know. And uh, we have over half a million people killed in this in this conflict. Millions of refugees around the world. Millions displaced from their home. Um, and um, uh, there is uh, real opportunity to in to respond to that conflict. But there's also real opportunity within our home countries. Uh, in my case. I'm Canadian-born, but huh. United States um, to welcome uh, to welcome refugees. We know that Jews were turned away in America after you know during during the Shoah during the, the Second World War, and we need a tikkun for that. We need a repair for that. And so what 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 my family has done, and bless my wife, <laughs> is that we have um, when when refugees arrive, we we try to welcome them into our home. Uh, we've had a number of Thanksgiving uh, celebrations with them in our home, and we've started some programs to uh, collect things that they need and support. So we go to dentists to get free dental care. A lot of them have never had dental care or n- nothing recent. Um, one woman, very touchingly, her mother just passed away. Her mother was a Shoah survivor, and uh, she donated all of her belongings to a new refugee family who arrived. And she said, my mother was a refugee from from Europe, and she would have wanted it. She would have wanted it this way. And so for me, um, there's a lot of social justice causes I care about. But for, for me, I think I think Ellie Wiesel said it very well that um, the, the the most urgent place for us to be is is where that is where suffering occurs the most, and those who are fleeing some of the worst tragedies um, feels like the, the place where, where Jews ought to be. Yeah, I'm fascinated, particularly, I guess, by Syrian refugee issues, yeah. because I know, for example, Israel is under the scene, under the radar, yes. as it were, doing a lot for Syrian refugees. Right. As is um, Europe, obviously, and I, I remember speaking to somebody from a German Jewish organization that yeah. were also helping Syrian refugees. And that story actually turned bad because mm-hmm. the refugee kind of said, you Jewish, please stay mm-hmm. away from me. Mm-hmm. So so there are a lot of complexities mm-hmm. involved, but but overall very positive and, and uh, you know, so much is being done, but so little is known about it. When you do s- s- refugee help in the States, mm-hmm. are there support for them and and integration into society mm-hmm. and Western culture. Yeah, you know, you 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 raise an important point. It says in Mishlei in Proverbs that you should give food to your uh, hungry enemy, 
and you should give water to your thirsty enemy. Now, I don't think of Syrians as my enemy, but there's no doubt they, in their culture, have been taught to believe that Jews are not their friends. Right. They're certainly not pro-Israel or pro-Jews. So, but I, but I think that that's how things turn. When, when the first people that greet them in America are Jews, and you, you talk about religion, and it has a profound impact on, on, on uh, everyone. And so, uh, I really feel that calling not only as a humanitarian and as a, as a Torah-driven uh, responsibility, but also as a means that I, that Jews ought to be on the front lines for the sake of Jews also. And so, uh, are they integrated? Well, there's a lot of uh, a lot of xenophobia that is not necessarily about Syria or even about Islam, just about foreigners coming into America right now, as you may have heard. Um, and so we're we're, uh, we're working for, for the integration, and and uh, a, a huge segment of American society is incredibly warm and inclusive and welcoming. Canada has been even even a little bit even stronger, mm-hmm. um, but I think that, uh, that that's a big part of the work we're trying to do. And 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 people have fear. People have a fear that they're losing their the safety of their mm-hmm. society, their culture, and and so we have to not just yell at them, but mm-hmm. help them to under, you know help them to understand that this is going to be safe, and that's going to happen through human encounter. I want to ask you a little bit about every time I've kind of Googled you, yeah. it says you're an open orthodox rabbi. Right. What is an open orthodox rabbi as opposed to yeah. a closed? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we don't, we don't talk about it as, as, uh, as closed. Um, but on the open side, um, you know, we feel deeply rooted in, in the Masorah, in the tradition, and committed to Halakha and Torah Messinai, and, and living with Yirat Shemayim. Um, uh, but also, in, you know, we feel that, um, orthodoxy, uh, has failed in being properly inclusive. And that means deeply invested with other denominations, being respectful, learning from one another, partnering with one another, not being afraid of, of reform and conservative rabbis and communities, but learning with each other and, and, and partnering and loving each other as Ahavat Yisrael. And then certainly with other faiths as well, that we should, we should have interfaith efforts to understand one another theologically, but also to partner for, for tikkun olam, to repair society. Um, and then on the feminist issue that, um, uh, women, women, uh, have, have, uh, people like, uh, like my wife, for example, doesn't have any interest in participating in, li- in, in leadership and ritual in the synagogue. But I know many women raised in orthodoxy and still in orthodoxy who very much want to be engaged more. They don't want the mechitza up to the ceiling and they don't want to feel excluded and they want to participate wherever they can. And, and so now we, we ordain, uh, women, orthodox women, uh, they're maharat or they're rabbah or rabbanit, um, and doing everything within the confines of halakha. Um, and then I think that the, the uh, social justice component is another, another, another big piece to understand uh, that, that, that Torah is not merely about ritual life, but Ben Adam Mechavero, the, the ethical component society. And then the last one I would say is intellectual openness, um, to being able to ask big questions and not being afraid of academic study and rigor and, 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 and big theological questions. So, uh, deeper engagement within the Jewish people, deeper engagement with other faiths, the, the, um, uh, women's inclusivity, uh, the social justice factor, the intellectual openness, and last one I'd point to is the LGBT piece as well. Right. That the LGBT community has, um, I mean, if you followed this Rabbi Joseph Dweck affair of the last few weeks, what happens when an Orthodox rabbi says, he didn't even say we should change halakha in any way. He merely said we could, should be more inclusive. And they almost cut his head off. 
I mean, uh, that we, we need communities that are, are, are not afraid of the, of the, of human uniqueness, that God created each person, B'Tselem Elohim, with u- uniqueness and uh, unique dignity, and that we should embrace them for, for who they are. Yeah, my, my first guest yeah. today also um, is a guest from Limud, and uh-huh. he spoke about the difference between unity in Judaism, uniformity in Ju- mm. Judaism, and diversity being a holistic thing. And mm. you basically kind of reinforcing that point mm. that we, we shouldn't be scared to get into a discussion or debate about, with somebody. What has the response to open orthodoxy been? Yeah. So there's been a whole range. There's been a whole range from, I would say, from... Um, the sort of centrist Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox community, there's been a big sort of backlash trying to sort of shun open Orthodoxy to say this is not really Orthodox and um, it's not valid and um, and really kind of an authoritarian move to say those conversions aren't going to be valid and this is not welcome or to be accepted. Um, then there's a huge... Uh, um, uh, energy of of interest and support that has emerged from the mainstream modern orthodoxy right. of people who felt very confined or very disengaged like they weren't engaging in honest an honest uh, Torah study and leadership and that they were told something was to the halakha and they hadn't even been shown certain sources, mm-hmm. sources that were far more inclusive. Um, and then from the far, um, from the, from the entirety of the Jewish community has been incredibly uh, accepting that, w- w- that the idea was we don't teach for the 10% who are Orthodox. That is, let's engage the 90% who is the rest of the Jewish people, right? That we shouldn't be afraid of to, to enter the pluralistic sphere. And so the vast majority of the Jewish people are, are Thrilled to have this have this partnership, and uh, we're not turned away or or uh, disheartened by the, by the, those uh, who, who who oppose those views. If they have if they have good critiques, we want to learn from them. And when they just want to shame us, then we just sort of close our ears to that. We're going to take a short break, and right. after the break, we're going to focus a little bit on organ donation because I know it is a cause right. very close to your mm-hmm. heart. <laughs> yes. Jewish board talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I am speaking to Rav Shmuley Yanklevitz, who is an author, educator, motivational speaker, and a social justice activist. Uh, you've just arrived off the plane, so I really admire you for your uh, d- determination to continue with this. And there's so much more we can discuss. Rav Shmuley, you have donated uh, your liver. To, uh, kidney. Uh, sorry, your kidney. Can, can you tell me what motivated you to do that? Wow, I, I I wouldn't know where to begin, but I I I feel that the Torah's imperative of pikuach nefesh of saving life is um, one of the greatest honors that we can participate in, um, and we have just uh, millions of people who um, are suffer- suffering from kidney failure, and many who are dying when needlessly, and I believe that God put a second kidney into our body for the sake of giving it. Um, that no one should die from kidney failure because it's something we don't need, the second kidney in our body. And so uh, my wife was, thank God, very supportive um, of, of me participating, and the recovery was was very uh, manageable. Um, and uh, he, he was a young Israeli, he is a young Israeli uh, a boy, a young man, who was orphaned, lost his mother at a very young age. And I said I would donate to anyone, but as soon as I... Uh, they were the first person that he presented that, that they presented to me, and I said, "Absolutely, he's the one. Let's do it." And they could, they could have said, "Anyone is the truth," but um, I, 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 in 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 leading up to it, I really studied the halacha quite a bit and, and the Jewish values, and, and realized 
that um, there was a lot of strange superstition surrounding the issue that people thought it was inappropriate or wrong, but actually, um, at the very least, it's a good thing, and at the most, it's a mandate for us to think about how to save lives, at least after our body is gone, to, to donate organs then. But if we can do it while living also, what an opportunity. And the relationship you developed between yeah. your, the person to yeah. whom you donated, what is that relationship and how is he? So I, ha- I have an Eli talk. If you look at Eli talks, you'll see I have a, a short video I put up there and there's a little video clip of the first time I met him, which was very emotional. We hugged and, and cried and, and embraced and, and feel very close to each other. It's a profound thing to have a part of your body mm. enter someone else's. And, um, I mean, I, I suppose w- w- women who are pregnant have a, a human inside of them, which is the most profound human experience imaginable. I, uh, um, but then to, to, to have an organ and to give to someone else, and we, ha- we've remained, we've, re- we've remained quite close. I mean, we don't see each other. He lives in Israel and, and, and he's I, doing well though. And he's doing quite very well and thriving. And he was on dialysis for years and was, was really struggling. And, and, uh, just seeing him thrive just, uh, makes my family feel wonderful. Yeah. Now, you yourself have converted to Judaism. Yeah. What is your story? So I was raised, uh, I, I have uh, an evangelical Christian mother, and I have uh, a reformed Jewish father, and I was raised uh, equally exposed to both. And uh, I, I embraced Judaism around 10 or 11 years old and had a first conversion. And then, you know how these things work, I had another conversion some uh, decade later, or eight, eight, nine years later, whatever it was. And um, my experience had its bumps, but mm-hmm. was also very positive, very embraced, um, even though there were challenges. And painful experiences. But since then, I've come to realize that um, we have not fulfilled the Torah mandate of Ahavat Hager, of loving uh, what can be understood as, as the stranger or the immigrant, but can also more traditionally be understood as, as the convert. That 36 times in the Torah, we're reminded to love, provide justice for it, take care of. Much more than Kashrut or Shabbat. All these things we think are fundamental. The most fundamental is there is someone vulnerable who's entered your community and you need to love and protect them. And in fact, we have put up higher walls for them to enter, mm. more difficulty uh, becoming a part of the Jewish people, and then all the politics once they are in, and in terms of their status being questioned in one way or another, as opposed to showing them honor. It's, uh, one of the, is that one of the topics you will be talking at Limut? You know, uh, I'm not sure. I, never, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I take a lot of tangents, so we may definitely get there somehow. It's not <laughs> formally a topic, but uh, if, if somebody brings us there, we'll be there. <laughs> Um, so, so do you think, I mean, one thing that I've noticed about mm-hmm. conversions is yeah. that even in South Africa, which is quite a small and homogenous Jewish community, the different requirements, say in Cape Town, which may be a little bit more relaxed than in jo- Joburg, that may be a little bit more strict. Are there universal ideas around what conversion should entail? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there once was. It once was clear. And today we see orthodoxy continuing to move to the right. And put up new, higher standards. It's really a reform movement. The, uh, you know, ultra orthodoxy is, is a reform movement, innovating in new stringencies that were never there in the past. And the conversion case is a good example. Rav Cook would be rolling in his grave as the as the as the first chief rabbi, uh, Ashkenazi chief rabbi of pre-state Israel, in that uh, to see what has happened to the chief rabbinate in terms of having these exclusive lists of who's on the list and who's not on the list. I'm a big fan of Rav Cook. We named our our son uh, uh, ML uh, 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 Mayor Lev Cook. Um, so, so his initials would be MLK. Right. Um, it's not often our Orthodox family names their kid after a Southern Baptist minister, but we love Rav Cook, and and Rav Cook really had a, a much more inclusive approach. And I think that what we see today is that um, a real fear, a real fear-driven approach, that the wrong converts are going to get in or the wrong values, as opposed to 
really welcoming, and there should be learning, and there should be commitment and growth, but not uh, not the approach today, which some people are in the process for years, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them are asked to pay a lot of money, um, and then they're turned down after many years, and they have very unclear standards. So I, I think we can do better than that in terms of transparency and in terms of the ethics involved in that. Well, Rav Shmini, we have to leave the interview there. Oh, but man, I'm just say. getting started. <laughs> this is amazing. We should keep going for a few hours. <laughs> well, I, I don't have to go anywhere. Do you? <laughs> what I can say is that you do actually have to go to Limud, oh, where okay. you will Wonderful. be talking a lot yeah. more. And also I encourage the community to, uh, to ask questions. I mean, the whole yes. point of Limud is to allow people access to engage yeah. people like yourself. Yeah. Rabbi it's, Abraham Joshua Heschel said that much more holy than an answer is a question, that we should leave with more and more questions. So if anybody would like to speak to Rav Shmuley, I recommend they head down to Limud for the what promises to be a very exciting and um, obviously energy-driven weekend full of knowledge and opportunity. Um, so, Rav Shmuley, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you so much. And if I didn't make any sense, it's because I, I, I didn't sleep on the airplane uh, overseas. So thanks for bearing with me.